Michelangelo Signorelli, Series XM Outcue. Spent the last century making a range of shoes for men. We will begin this century making a range of shoes for a range of men. That is a clip from the Broadway smash hit, Kinky Boots, 13 Tony nominations, Cindy Lauper, uh, the lyrics and music uh, written by her, and Harvey Firestein wrote the book, an incredible, enormous talent and a great friend of the show, and he is right now in this studio. Which is very strange, because I'm usually driving the car when I talk to you. And you are usually... Wait, wait, let, me step, on, let me step on the brake and pull over to the side. Is that? Do you pull over when you call the show? When I dial, I certainly do. <laughs> no, 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 I use I voice dial. I say dial, di dial out Q, and then she goes dialing Qbert. No, 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 dial out Q. You know how you know how the misses can be. I call you, that woman in the car the misses. You always call the show when yeah. we're talking about something really, you know. Like angering and controversial, yeah. and you get it really gets your your back up. You're well, like, some you know some stuff. I, well, the last time I called was be, you were talking about the, uh, the the crisis in the church, and you kept calling it uh, child abuse. And I said, you know, when you say um, uh, a, a, a coach, a coach of a, ba a baseball team was uh, suspended because he'd abused three hundred children. People at home go, oh, he abused 300. It means he pushed them around, he hit them, whatever. You know, they, they just... But if you said a coach was suspended because he raped 300 children, they're going to stop and listen. And what those priests did was not abuse. They raped those children. And if you don't call it that, you don't get the outrage. And if you don't get the outrage, you don't make the change. You really... Um, that, like burnt a thing in my brain I know, and I, I after that, that I said rape from then on because you're absolutely right yeah. and you know the media uses this term child abuse because it softens it, it softens it exactly and you can't soften it because we have no idea what we're doing to those children we have no idea what dismissing those charges and moving those priests on does to those children and their lives as they grow up do they become abusers as well it's you know it's inexcusable mm. it's inexcusable now you have had an extraordinary uh career and now here you are uh 13 tony nominations for kinky boots for a show where we've got a new controversy that nobody even knows is a controversy except me uh-oh what is this well the lead, one of the lead characters is is a drag performer. Right now, I wrote this character. Now, people should know the show. The show, oh, the show is, is about the show. A drag uh, the, queen. the show is a, the show is uh, based on a true story. That's right, and it was a, film. a factory about a factory in England that made shoes in a town where everybody made shoes, and uh, it was a family shoe factory. It gets passed down for generations. Well, the young guy doesn't want it. He doesn't know what he wants to do with his life, but he knows he doesn't want to make shoes. So he goes off to London. His father dies. He inherits the shoe factory. All of a sudden, realizes that all these people he grew up with, their livelihoods all depend on him. How's he going to save? 
the shoe factory. Into his life comes a drag queen by accident who says, if I could just get a pair of damn shoes that fit me and can stand, I had heels that could stand up to me, they two of them get together, realize they can make kinky boots, shoes for transvestites, and they saved the factory. And they actually did. It only lasted for two years. But they <laughs> saved the factory. <laughs> so that's the true story. And so you have this character. Now, I wrote this character as a heterosexual transvestite. He's very clear in the show that that's what he is. He, they ask him, you know, if he's dressed up to attract men. He says no. He said, I, I, the, the, the line in the show is, "Blokes, what fancy blokes, fancy blokes." Why would mm -hmm. I? Why would I dress up like this? He says, "So why are you dressed up?" He says, "For the women." He says, "For the women." He says, "How many of you look to see what I wear every day?" And all the women raise their hands. He says, "So." Are you just jealous? <laughs> he says, well, if that's true, why don't all men wear dresses? And he says something I've been wondering about all my life. <laughs> anyway, so you know me. Would I be scared to say gay? Would I be scared to... I mean, he's just, he's not gay. And I thought this was a really interesting character to put up on the stage, right? And and he had, there's a wonderful number called What a Woman Wants. And, there's, and he flirts with women in the show. You know, Billy and I have had, Billy Porter plays it, brilliantly plays the role, and we've had our discussions. Billy says, well, he could be straight, he could be gay. He's just too, the, the problem with these two guys, they both have daddy issues. Both of them, well, I told you one guy, his father wanted him to be right. a shoe manufacturer. The drag queen's father wanted him to be a boxer. Right. And, and trained him to be a boxer, and instead he ended up a transvestite uh, entertainer. Uh, was he gay in the film, or same thing? He was asexual in the film, okay. which is why I thought, here's an opportunity, since I know that 90% of transvestites are heterosexual, I thought the rest of the world must know that too, and I thought it would be interesting rather than arguing the same arguments I've argued in La Cage or uh, right. you know, other things of mine right. to do something different. The really interesting thing to me is that not one critic, not the gay critics, not the straight critics, not one critic picked up on him being straight. Not one. Not one. They, they all talked about, you know, and Harvey's gay liberation uh, message or whatever. Right. There's no gay liberation message in this. No one's gay in this. I mean, maybe some of the other drag queens in the club, but we don't really get their story. And it's so interesting to me that our prejudices are so strong that we hear what we think we hear. Now, are we you being listen. accused now of closeting him? Is that the controversy? There's no controversy. Okay. That, well, they, uh, what's his name? Idiot boy. Um, Michael Musto tried to make controversy, but, you know, he's lived his entire life eating at people's parties. <laughs> you <know? laughs> are you and Michael feuding? <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I'm saying, what, that's untrue? <laughs> Wait, did I say something that's not true? You mean he's bought a meal in his life? I've never seen him pay a no. bill in his life. No. Now wait, could <laughs> but, but he did. He tried to make it into a thing, and I and I just laughed and I said, you know, if Michael Musto doesn't know that ninety percent of of transvestites are heterosexual, then what hope have we? So he tried to say like the character's not gay. No, he tried or, to he or, tried to say that that Billy and I should decide. What oh, he I is, see. Which is which is also silly. Could it's, he be that's, transgender? That's, you know, the problem with this guy is that he's stuck in his life. He's He is stuck with this issue of his father. And what happens in the show is the two of them, these two guys, through their very tenuous friendship, because they really, they think they become friends and then they, you realize that they don't, they still understand each other. Finally, what happens is they learn to accept each other 
and then accept themselves. So I think by the end of the show, he will move on. What will he move on to be? I don't know, you know. Um, I have a, a play for next season that I'm writing that has heterosexual transvestites in it. And what's really interesting is, you know, and, and it takes place in the 60s. And when I was doing my research, these these uh, transvestites were very, very anti-people that lived full-time as women. They right. thought there was something wrong with it. Well, the ones who were in, who were in charge of that movement ended up living full-time as women right. eventually. So you can't trust what somebody says at one point in their life. They're, you know, No, this is an experience, one exactly. experience. Exactly, yeah. and that's, you know, to me, even when I wrote Catered Affair, in, in the show Catered Affair, I had a character... Um, that I ended up playing. Um, Tater Fed takes place in the late 50s, and he lived on his sister's couch. He didn't have an apartment of his own. He slept on the sister's couch, and he was a gay man. But, um, you know, there was no openly gay then. You know, your family knew. You know, poor people knew. Poor people and rich people always knew they were gay people. Middle class never knew they were gay people. But this is a poor family. He lives on the couch. And living there and he watching the drama in the house, he starts realizing that he doesn't have a life. He doesn't have a home. I'm a person that lives on a couch. Mm -hmm. Why should I be living on a couch? Shouldn't I have something else? And those are the questions he starts asking. Uh, a critic that should know better, Michael Feingold, who's gay and right. openly gay and been around forever, attacked that play for saying, oh, there were no gay people thinking that in those days. And you say, what do you mean? Just on, on this magical day, he's, oh, that's, that's post-Stonewall thinking. So on this magical day of Stonewall, all of a sudden, fairy dust came down out of the skies and all these ideas <laughs> burst open in our heads and we all of a sudden became open homosexuals. Right. Before that, there was no thinking. So people like, you know, generations and generations who had been fighting. I mean, what right. the hell was the Mattachine Society if we weren't thinking of getting our, our rights at some point? Now... How how do you define transvestite? Because that's another word that's kind of like an old word. Is it still? It does, is that's, it a straight man who's doing drag, and a well, drag queen's a gay man who does drag? It's it's listen. These all of these things are being um, reinvented as we speak. You know, one of the things that I thought was most interesting when I was doing my research for the play, not for not for uh, Kinky Boots, was. When the American Psychiatric Society took homosexuality off, oh my God, I've caused it! I've caused an earthquake! An earthquake! I'm sorry, I told you I'm not used to talking outside the car. Um, I'm Italian. He's knocking I use down my the hands. studio. Um, when uh, when uh, the American Psychiatric Society took uh, homosexuality off its list of maladies, um, tra uh, transvestitism in the homosexual community came down also. So transvestitism is only a condition, a medical condition, if it's heterosexual. But if you're a transvestite oh, or homosexual, it's not a condition. That one I don't understand at all. Don't ask me for an explanation. It just happens to Does be Does the word fact. come up in Kinky Boots, in the, in the play? In Kinky Boots? Yeah. No, but no. In, in the play in the it does. In the, so it does. Well, oh, oh, the, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, but, it, I but it's a it joke. <laughs> oh, you got to come see it. No, there's a joke. There's a joke. Um, there's, there is a joke in the show where, um, where Charlie, the, the, the straight-laced one, is sitting in the club, and he's staring, and the drag queen says, you know, what are you staring at? And, and, and this girl that works with him says, oh, you have to forgive him. We don't get a lot of 
transvestites. You know, we don't get a lot of drag queens. No, we don't get a lot of transvestites in Northampton. And he said, so darling, that's not a transvestite. That's a drag queen. What's mm-hmm. the difference? He said, a drag queen gets dressed up and looks like Cleopatra. A transvestite gets dressed up and often is not looks like Winston Churchill and his mother's knickers. Oh. <laughs> and then he says, and you are, and she says, insulted that you need to ask. <laughs> so it's just a joke. But you know, the, the point is, when we were kids, and, and and I say we, even though he's far younger than I, um, there was gay, there was straight, and then there was a sort of questioning bisexual thing. What's been so wonderful about the gay community and about our quest and all of our our challenges that we've gone through and 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 questioning that we we've done it is that it's allowed all these other people and all these other colors because as Kinsey said, there is no black and white. It's all grays, it's all grays. It's a, it, and now we know it's not grays, it's a rainbow. Mm-hmm. It's a rainbow of choices. And um, so, so we don't have the words, you know. I, I, I was listening one day when you were discussing does LGBTQFLMNOP work for us anymore? Right, right, right. Well, how could it when 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 we are all individuals. I think somebody came up with another word. There was another yeah, word. Yeah, somebody came up with a word. You were talking about it that day. I said, no, that don't We've already it. forgotten it. So. Yeah, because that, that didn't work either. Because oh. because the, the idea is we each are individuals and we each need to express ourselves however we need to express ourselves and accept one another in, in that same way. And shouldn't we be free? And isn't that what we did? The women's movement opened things up for us. And, you know, then we open up for the next group and the next group and the next group down. That's mm-hmm. how it works. What has it been like uh, seeing Kiki, Kinky Boots just explode like this? Did you think that was going to happen? And, and I mean, <laughs> you know, Broadway is tough, right? Broadway is Cindy tough. Cindy huge, a great right. uh, person to work with, I'm sure. But, right. you know, both of you together... Uh, I knew I would have said it was going to be a huge success, but but it's hard. It's it's very hard. And you write a show and you tell the story as best you can. We kind of knew Jerry Mitchell, the the director, choreographer, and I started knowing um, very early on. I I had written the script and I liked the story. I liked the way the story was told, but I liked this this understory of these two men. Especially since at the end of Act One you really think they're friends, and then Act Two comes and you realize they have no each other, no idea who each other are still. So it's really a very human story, and I liked all of that. And I said it could find an audience, um, but it's not. It's never until you put it up on its feet that you, that you know. And Cindy's music I loved right from the beginning, but you know it was Cindy'd never written a show before, so it was slowly right. coming along, slowly coming along, and and. During this period, um, Cindy did a world tour. She put out a blues album. She did her reality show. She, did, you know, she was doing all that. We while had we her on when she wrote the book. She yeah, she had her autobiography. <laughs> yeah. I did uh, a year on on tour with Fiddler on the Roof. I wrote Newsies. I wrote this other play. Also, Newsies. I, you've been just—it's been incredible. Yeah. So, so we and Jerry Mitchell at the same time was doing Legally Blonde all over the world and Broadway Bears and all that stuff. So you're working on several projects. So it isn't until you sit down and say, okay, now we're going to focus on this, and then we put it in front of an audience in Chicago, and the audience went insane. This, it's like 
You'll you'll see you'll see when oh. you see it. But it's like a fun factory. It's like a joy factory. Oh, I, I, I had to talk to you about this. Yeah, because Liz Smith wrote say? that incredible. Did you see what she wrote? I try not to read anybody, but I love my Liz. Oh my God, she did this incredible. Uh, you know, review was on Huffington yeah. Post, and you know talked about. I mean, it was. Remember when Liz, you know, back when she was closeted, and I think yeah. she criticized you. Oh yeah. For coming out. Yes. At the Tony Awards, right? She criticized me for thanking my lover. Yeah. Yeah. At the Tony and, Awards. And back when she was closeted. Nobody... Now she was going on about what an incredible this ever. I mean, it was basically like everybody should be out. This is great. Yeah. And you know what the wonderful thing is? She actually apologized to me. I mean, just recently, and I wrote back to her and I said, I've always thought of you as my family. I've always, you know, we, we may be a family that bicker, but but I've known you for over 30 years, Liz, and I've always thought of you as my sister. So I'm, I'm thrilled. And then I saw her at Bet's opening and we hugged and kissed and grabbed. Wow. So that was lovely. Everybody goes on their journey, even if it's... Yeah. A lot of younger people listening are like, who is Liz Smith? She <laughs> was a gossip columnist, yeah. very powerful, for many years very at the powerful. New York Daily News. Right, who everybody knew was, was, was lesbian, a lesbian, except, except for her. And remember, <laughs> I used to, at Outweek Magazine, I was giving her and others a lot of help. <laughs> we could do a show just on the people that, that didn't talk to you and me for years. That's right. But see, I never outed anybody. Well, she was mad at me. She was mad at me because I went on, do you remember, here's a name from the past, Arsenio Hall. Yes. I used to do Arsenio Hall like That's once right. every two months. Oh, and you months. talked about me on Arsenio Hall. Oh, did I? That's right. Well, I talked about her. <laughs> I, said, I still have the clip. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I said to, And I said to her, I said about her, I said, when I thank my lover, nobody criticized me except for one closeted lesbian. I said, you know, she writes for a, a big paper or whatever. And, oh, she wrote me such a hateful letter. I, I think it was in the same clip because oh, then maybe. you explained what outing was. And you said, there's a man named Michelangelo Cigarelli. Oh, okay. <laughs> and you were very busy. You were outing people. But, you know, see, the, the thing is, you, do you know my story about the about stop and shop, about being in the grocery store with the, with the, with the, with the woman at Thanksgiving? I'll tell you really quickly. Did you? Did you I, tell us on the show? No, I think I had it in my. I might oh. have, but I had. I think I. I did it as an op-ed piece for the okay. Times. I, I want to hear. But it, it was very quickly. I was. It was Thanksgiving, and I'm checking out my food, and she says, "So you do the cooking, and you do the shopping, and your wife does the cooking." I said, "No, I do the cooking and the shopping. I ain't got no wife. I'm gay." She goes, "You ain't no gay." I said, "No, I'm gay." She says, "You are not no gay," and I said. <laughs> I said, what makes you so sure that I'm not gay? She said, because if you were gay, you would be too embarrassed to say so. And she just kept going. Wow. And I said, of course, this woman works in a, in a store where every magazine on the rack has these horrible things. And he's a homosexual and she's a lesbian, you know. So, of course, she thinks that if you are that way, you're going to deny it. You would never say it. And, and that was my thing about outing was they make the worst examples of homosexuals. They are absolutely who you don't want coming out. That, you, know, so you don't want them as your spokespeople because they're self-loathing and, you know. Yeah, uh, absolutely true. And that, that what you were saying about people not even believing people are gay yeah. unless they, you know. Well, or, or the, or the, the, or the, the, like I said, what's that? The opposite that's happening at Kinky Boots, which is they just assume he's wearing a dress. He's got to be a homosexual. Right. No, 90% of transvestites are heterosexual. <laughs> it's like, you know, say child molester, and people think immediately, 
of boy, man on boy. No, most child rape happens with adult men and little girls, not boys. So but you have you to do? keep breaking stereotypes. And you have to be really careful that you listen or I listen because because prejudice, what you already know in your head and believe to be true, prejudice is the worst enemy of truth. Mm -hmm. Because if your mind isn't open, oh it ain't open. I cannot believe we've come up to the top of the Everybody has to come and see Kinky Boots. I know. Can I stay for the news? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Where is he? Where is he? Uh, he Harvey Firestein. Do I even have to say Harvey Firestein? Do you just know the voice, right? Do I even have to say who's in the studio with Just me? pull over. Let's uh, make out. <laughs> <laughs> Harvey, always great having you calling the show in the studio. Come here anytime, please. Oh, thank uh, you. We love you. Love you, love you. Uh, and so proud of you. We're back after the news. You're listening to Sirius XM OutQ 109. Michelangelo Signorelli, Sirius XM OutQ.